0: I have also hit record. Oh voila. Can we do the Look clap? At us being amazing. clap? Okay.
1: Clap. Clap. I, clap.
0: Clap. Would you would you <laughs> Would you like to do the clap? Let's do the clap, shall we? Right. Alright, I gotta wiggle my hand out of my sling for this. Wiggle okay. your big toe. <laughs> wiggle your big toe. Alright. I, to right.
1: I need to see Kill Bill. Like I now. gotta watch it again. I gotta I love that Okay, movie. We're yeah. doing
0: the fucking clap. Will you stop? <sighs> One, two Three. Did you clap? Yeah You sure?
1: It's up uh, Do you want me to do it again?
0: I'm not even sure I did I kind of caught my boob in it <laughs> So <laughs> It hurts I'm okay Guys don't tear your rotator cuff It puts you in really awkward situations Alright <laughs> Are you okay?
1: Oh let's give me one of those episodes
0: <laughs> Okay oh. okay Clap, clap number two. All right. Ready? Ready. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. question for you um
1: has the fried chicken the spicy fried chicken craze hit your neck of the woods yet what do you mean um there are places around here in southern california where you uh there it's it's fried chicken just like kfc but it has like a special spicy sauce laced on top of it
0: like nashville hot chicken
1: yeah like that yeah
0: Now that's been here
1: okay now if it got
0: to you baby it traveled from nashville it got here first and then kept going west.
1: Yeah, I never know where trends begin or end. Um so But you know
0: where Nashville is, right? Who? Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, I know where N- Nashville, Tennessee is. Okay, so then look at a map and tell no. me tell me what route the chicken would take to get to California. Uh, route sixty six. <laughs> and what state would that go through?
1: Oh. Oklahoma.
0: Would pass by Texas. <laughs> we have Nash- Nashville hot chicken here. Girl, yet. you know where I
1: went to college. You can't expect me to, my geography skills to be that great. I, yeah. You know,
0: and cool. yes, I, I am aware of where you were educated. And I feel that pain also in my soul. <laughs> now, if you will excuse me, there is a ginger cannonball at the door who would like to be let in. Of course. And I get to navigate headphones with one hand.
1: Meow, well, meow, meow, meow,
0: meow. I'm loving it.
1: Y'all, this is a uh, Boomer has been making a lot more appearances lately because, um, well, he loves his fans, and we understand that. The door? <laughs> we understand that many of you also you love affected.
0: Boomer. You are mistreated. He is
1: mistreated. Okay. I heard him <laughs> out. What? Nothing.
0: Come here! Come here! <laughs> For the folks at home, you can see her on the camera. This Aww. the Boomer. Who loves this part? She thinks this is the best. She thinks she's so great. She's correct about that. She's amazing. She is amazing. I love your stupid face. Lay down. <laughs> Sing her a little song.
1: But you know what we haven't done, though? What? We haven't intro of the fucking show.
0: Oh, we've got 20 more minutes of banner before we do that.
1: I <laughs> oh, what you're talking about. Are you, are you, um, I'm sensing. I'm sensing that you're delaying the inevitable. Did you not like the episode? Where no, I love about? this episode. Okay. No, I'm just.
0: I, I, I'm also trying to like. I'm mentally reviewing everything we've set up at this up to this point because I'm the editor of this podcast, and I'm like, okay, which of these are either of these anecdotes amusing enough to be the post-credit scene on this episode? <laughs> and the answer is no. So dance again, monkey. What you got?
1: Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> that, that's. I...
0: I I got nothing. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well, it amused me, but it's not good enough for a I am, scene, I
1: am, so. I am debating. I have two quotes lined up. I am debating whether or not I want to piss you off right at the beginning.
0: I don't know why you even debate that. Obviously, I... the answer is yes. Okay. Have you okay. met you?
1: I no. I have matured. I have matured, sort of. Well, I have learned to pick my battles. Can you? Can you hear
0: my battles? I don't know if listeners, if y'all at home can hear the skepticism in the arch of my brow through the podcast, but you've matured, huh? You're picking your battles now. Great
1: eyebrows, by the way. Great eyebrows.
0: Uh, (laughs) Great. (laughs) Thanks. I made them myself. (laughs) Um, uh, And thank you for acknowledging that my eyebrows are, in fact, amazing, as opposed to that one lady on the TikTok who couldn't get over it. (laughs) <laughs> she was like, I, never,
1: I fucking forgot about that. Fucking left a comment
0: on I think uh, a video where I was talking about something, something feminism, something, something female male gaze. I don't even know, but she left a comment and she's like, "Look, I get what you're saying, but what's going on with your eyebrows?"
2: <laughs> like,
0: she, what? What about my eyebrows? She wouldn't elaborate. I'm like, is it because they look like two caterpillars that are frightened of each other? <laughs> Like they're about to fight, but they can—they don't really want to, so they're never going to meet in the middle. <laughs> like, is that what it is? <laughs> What's going on with your eyebrows? What answer did you expect to that? People who insult other people's appearance on the internet—what yeah. uh, do you think is going to be the response? I—I don't—I don't know. You can't answer me right now because this is being pre-recorded. But I mean, think
1: about—think
0: <laughs> about that. What response are you trying to elicit?
1: I—I I don't know. I can't. I, I... don't get it. Uh, whenever I insult anyone's appearance, I expect maximum uh, ferocity and rage.
0: <laughs> I just, I try not to insult or, or even comment on, if I can help at anybody's appearance, unless it's going to be positive. Or if I'm going to tell them they got food stuck in their teeth or toilet paper on their shoe. Never, ever point out anything about anyone's appearance that they can't fix in less than five minutes. Otherwise, you're just being a bully. You're huh. just trolling them. That's That's my personal. And I never comment on weight ever because you never know what's going on in somebody's life you tell them oh my god you look so great you've lost so much weight you don't know why they've lost that weight
1: yeah it's because they could they could have just come out of cancer surgery and they haven't been able to eat anything in fucking six months exactly
0: all all of that uh is to say my eyebrows are amazing shut up that's right hey would you like to know who wants out of the room now Whoever
1: demands your your presence
0: what Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna be on the show, you come over here and perform. Say something for the people. Nope. She has nothing to say now.
1: Nothing. Oh no. Who are you? What am I doing in here?
2: <laughs>
0: I mean, I love her, but she's definitely, I believe, confirmation of the theory that all ginger cats in the world share two brain cells between all of them, and she I doesn't usually get a lot of timeshare on them. God bless her. I know. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like I've got enough material to work with. Now we can move on. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to the behind the scenes of podcast production. Is it always pretty? No. Is it always fun? Yes. Do
1: I feel like a trained monkey all the time? Because Stephanie's like, I need more entertainment. (laughs) Yes. Do I love it? Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. So get you a podcast partner whose kink is being bossed the fuck around and made to perform. For the record,
1: record, uh, everybody at home. I am not a sub.
0: <laughs> He's like, you need to stop false advertising me to all of the listeners that I'm not gonna fuck.
1: Some like, look, some guy we had, we didn't talk very much. Some guy while I was making out with him tried to bite my fucking lip, and that no, you get a chokehold. That's a that's a chokehold, and then a you do not do shit like that without a conversation.
0: Yeah, no, and you got you can't just like was it was he did he warm up to it at all or was it nope. just suddenly like.
1: Arr! No, it was like, uh, kiss, kiss, bite.
0: Nope, nope. You got to warm up to that. Yeah. If you're not going to explicitly negotiate that ahead of time, there needs to be some kind of energy exchange, some kind of unspoken, clear communication that we're escalating to that level. Right. You can't jump straight there, bite no. my fucking lip, i punch you my, in the face. I didn't even know
1: his real name. I only knew him by like <laughs> egg, egg, eggplant peaches emoji.
0: Sometimes I worry about you.
1: <laughs> I, uh, You should not. Actually, you should be very worried about me. Uh so are we intro a show? <laughs> yeah,
0: let's intro show. Oh my god. Okay. <clears throat> hey everybody, welcome back to Marvelous Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Marvel and the Marvel cinematic universe. My name is Stephanie, I'm the woman half of the show. Don't bite my lip.
1: For fuck's sake. Hello. Okay, go on. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm that gay man. I'm about to piss Stephanie off big time. Uh, Oh, yay. And Stephanie, Mm -hmm. I bet you're real pretty when you smile. No! (laughs) Twice. Twice that line got used.
0: What the fuck? Twice. But. But. It wasn't, it was, it served a narrative purpose.
1: It did. And, but unfortunately I am now rooting for the villain. So.
0: Oh yeah. That's the thing about the season, but we will get into it. Mm. Oh, it's a good thing. Okay. Okay. Do we have anything uh, official, like to be on the podcast show, not just dicking around stuff to get to before uh, we dive into the episode?
1: Uh, Well, uh, first of all, we do. But I do want to thank everybody because we actually got a lot of really awesome feedback from our listeners about the last Yay. episode. Um, thank y'all so much. A lot of my amazing. friend A lot of my friends in Discord were like, holy shit, no offense, but I'm actually liking your Marvel uh, podcast more than your Star Wars one. Which, oh. by the way, fuck y'all. Uh, but thank you for listening.
0: No offense taken. Just listen to both of them. Yeah, just listen to both of them. In their entirety.
1: So thank y'all so much. Uh, yeah. Stephanie, we do have two reviews. Um, <gasps> and... I'm not gonna lie. I've been looking forward to reading one re- one of these reviews <laughs> for like a whole fucking week. But let me. I'll I'll do the latest one first, and then we'll do okay. my the, okay. my my favorite review of all time, uh, ever. Um, <clears throat> uh, shit. I can't. I cannot pronounce that username. Sis Kug.
0: Honey, spell it.
1: S uh, i s d u g h i u g k u g i u g k
0: u g. No, you had it right the first time. Yeah, Carry yeah, on. thank you. Uh, they said,
1: uh, thank, you for li- <laughs> thank you for submitting a review. Uh, yeah. Love, love, love. Ooh. Those who are looking for a Marvel podcast, look no further. Hands down, the best Marvel podcast in all uppercase. Oh, I, wow. I freaking love Stephanie and Chris. I started listening, oh. listening to this a few weeks back on my three-hour drive from college to my parents. Best way to spend time driving. Stephanie has the best laugh ever. Love Chris's <laughs> voice as well. Oh, thank you. I thank appreciate you. That.
0: See, look, look at me accepting a compliment. Thank you, unpronounceable username. I appreciate that.
1: But thank you for leaving. Uh, seriously, thank you for leaving the uh, review. Even if you had a username that made any sense, I wouldn't have been able to pronounce it. It's um, true. It's true. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, uh, second review. William Joseph Harrington wrote, Disgusting. <laughs> The middle-aged hosts of this show team have to say the most vile and depraved things about every man and almost every woman that has ever starred in anything Marvel, as if they had any chance with them. <laughs> Seriously, the explicit rating of the show isn't enough. There needs to be a middle-aged wine-drunk rating just for this goddamn show.
0: <laughs> Seriously? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh thank you william for that uh illuminating and accurate review uh, william
0: william if that know. is your name two <laughs> points to clarify one we are not wine drunk we're stone cold sober and we're like this
1: yeah I mean by the end so. of the, by the end of the show you know the edibles do kick in and I have a couple you know a glass of beer maybe uh but no uh most of the time uh I am stone cold sober which is basically oh, yeah I'm, by the way, not my normal operating. Uh,
0: <laughs> I appreciate it for the professionalism. Yeah. Uh, and the other point. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for seeing us so clearly. I feel so seen
1: <laughs> in this moment. You know, it's funny because this is the first time. This is the first time Steph and I have been called vile and depraved. Uh, I remember today. today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, Stephanie Stephanie and I have been known, been friends for a long time. We yeah. LARPed, live-action role-played together, uh-huh. and, and we were called vile and depraved by uh, this one dude once who was really upset that he wasn't allowed to smoke marijuana uh, on campus in the middle of our game.
0: Who uh, was that? You would say it, I'll bleep it out. Who was uh, that? You'll have to bleep it out of the video, too. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, my God. Okay, <clears throat> so thank you for the reviews, guys. <laughs> Appreciate that. And thank you for your patience and forbearance as we finally get to the fucking point of this podcast. Uh, so, hey, what we're doing on this podcast, uh, is we are watching through the entire Marvel cinematic universe. In chronological order, which means that we started with Captain America the First Avenger, and we have been moving forward through uh, the Agent Carter series that followed that in the timeline, which means that today we are on Agent Carter Season 2, Episode 4, Smoke and Mirrors.
1: Dun-dun-dun!
0: Ooh! Do you have a previously on?
1: Of course. Zero Matter Unleashed! Dr. Wilkes is still alive, albeit without physical matter, but with the help of Howard Stark, he can be seen. Peggy, Jarvis, <laughs> and Howard work to find a cure for Wilkes. Meanwhile, Whitney is dealing with the power of zero matter and mm-hmm. and, and accidentally consumes the soul of her director, figuring out, <laughs> figuring out how to gather evidence against the Council of Whitney Frost. Agent Carter is on the path to discovering the truth, but will a metaphorical tidal wave get in her way? Dun, dun, dun. You
0: see what I did there? See what I, there? I see what you did there. You're very clever. I yeah, like it. I'm so smart. I like it. Uh, okay. So, uh, yes, I was going to no, get into the no, behind the scenes of production. Yeah, that's, yeah,
1: yeah. I was like, sh- okay. No, who made this fucking episode?
0: So, uh, the director for this episode is David Platt again. Hmm. He just directed Better Angels, and now he's directing this one. Uh, so I'm, you know, I went into this going, ooh, yay! I'm looking forward to more of that nice noir pacing. Right. And I think he did the best he could, considering how much ground he had to cover.
1: Uh, I was going to say, this feels like three episodes in one. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: But and we still took the time, thank you, David Platt, to let moments breathe, mm-hmm. to let them to let them fill us with dread. There's a lot of that in this episode. Huh. Thank you, Whitney. Anyway, <clears throat> the writer for this episode is Sue Chung. And she wrote this episode, but she's the executive story editor for this episode and the entire season.
1: Whoa! Okay,
0: which is which is why we're finally starting to see some like cohesion. Yeah. As opposed to last season, which was kind of catch as catch can all over the fucking place, right? Right. right. Um. Yes. So Su Chung uh, hasn't done a lot of writing, which is uh, which is unfortunate because I love the way this season plays out. Um. She did a lot of work on Gotham. <gasps>
1: I I haven't watched enough of that show. I need to to get back into that show. But I love season one.
0: I enjoyed parts of it. Okay, so let's us get into the episode, yes. Right. Okay, so very first scene. We are in California?
1: No, it's a flashback scene.
0: It's a flashback scene. Welcome to the flashback scenes episode, y'all.
1: Um, yeah, so I need to. Uh, I generally do not like flashback shit. I, I, it, it, I, it makes me want to go. But wait, we're. I, st- I want to keep going with that. And why are we jumping through time now?
0: But mm-hmm. I actually
1: loved it for this episode. Um, I'm doing a blacklist rewatch right now, and my least favorite blacklist episodes are when we, you know, do the the flashback scenes because they mm-hmm. don't. Especially if you've seen the whole show up to this point, the flashback scenes make absolutely no fucking sense. Anyway.
0: But what they did a really good job of here is, is stringing them together and making the flashbacks, the content of the flashback relevant to the current scene.
1: I agree. 100%. Like everything,
0: everything related really well. Uh, so yeah, we have flashed back to, I don't know, sometime prior to 1947. Uh, there's a little British girl. She is glumping around in a yard, uh, pretending to be the brave knight who is rescuing a princess from a dragon.
1: Uh, and we'll find out later that's Carter, Peggy Carter. That's um, Peggy Carter. So she's LARPing, and, which is cool. Yeah, she's LARPing. She's LARPing yeah.
0: as as a, as a prince. Uh, her brother Michael jumps in. They start tussling around in the grass and stuff. Her mom runs out and starts yelling at her, uh, you know, Margaret, Anne, or whatever your middle name is. I can't remember. Carter, <laughs> uh, when will you start behaving like a lady? And then we cut immediately to current day Peggy Carter shoving a sandwich into her face. <laughs>
1: With like mayonnaise and shit dripping out onto the onto the piece. It's the paper. gross. It is fucking gross. But but it's funny.
0: But God bless it. A, it's comedy. B, we see a woman eating on TV again.
1: Yep, and not just eating, but like picking out like there but, is- Yeah, she's like,
0: I'm so hungry. Oh, <laughs> and just oh uh, oh. Uh my heart. Because if you uh, are just tuning in with us and you didn't listen to last season, I had a whole rant because it's a thing. Watching women, women are not allowed to eat on TV. You watch TV and you see how often you see women eat where they're not like, oh my God, it's, I don't want to eat this. (laughs) I'm being so bad. I'm going to get so fat. I need to eat a salad. Like if they are eating, they have to talk about it. They have to talk about how they're indulging, or they need to talk about how they have to eat something healthier, or they just don't eat at all. Or they have a giant plate of food in front of them and they don't touch it. Right. So actually seeing a woman eat food on TV is fucking revolutionary. It, this is Golden Girls level revolutionary.
1: I I love it.
0: I fucking love it so much. Um, anyway, she's hanging out with Dr. Wilkes. Mm. And she's dribbling fucking mayo all over some schematics that he's looking at. Um. And which are apparently these are Whitney Frost, A.K.A. Agnes Cully's patents. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, these are these are ones that she's made. She uh, created these blueprints of these awesome-looking things way, way back. I I want to say before she even moved to California. Is that the implication?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, like and, when she was much younger. Yeah, yeah and, and and according to Wilkes, like you know, here's our here's our reactor, which we consider to be very advanced you know pumps out i don't know i forget the number but like to say like 20 kilowatts whatever it is Mm -hmm. and here's hers this shit is next level
0: right it does like a hundred times as much power yeah
1: and 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 peggy's like oh so she so is she like a genius or something like that and he says no no i'm a genius she is beyond categorization exactly And and i love that yeah um but I want to talk about my favorite moment of this whole episode which happens
0: right now. <laughs> or is it where we talk about we talk about how Wilkes's body is numb and how that's so sad.
1: And so frustrating.
0: <laughs> so so Wilkes mentions that he, you know, she he's watching her eat and he's like, "Oh, I miss food." And she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry because he can't eat. He doesn't have a corporeal body right, right now." He's just beams of light with spritz on him. And so, you know, he misses food, but he doesn't really need food because he says his, his his body is numb. He really doesn't have any awareness of his body. Meanwhile, Peggy is looking at him like, "I'm aware of your body." I'm totally. Um, <laughs> we're all aware of your <laughs> we're body. We're all very aware of your body. is
1: aware of your body.
0: Everybody's aware of your body. <laughs> it's uh but so they start getting a little closer together and and Peggy's like, "Still,
1: it must be very frustrating." You have no
0: idea. <laughs> <laughs> and if he had a body right now, they would have smashed their faces together until they made sexy times right there in front of us. Sandwich be damned. But no, he doesn't have a body and we're all frustrated now.
1: I am totally frustrated. Yep. Okay, do they? Okay, Stephanie, I need you to mm-hmm. spoil this for me right now. Do they bang?
0: This is ABC. ABC.
1: Okay, in your headcanon, do they bang?
0: (laughs) In my headcanon, there is a naked pile of limbs that involves every member of this cast. Do we really want to dive into that?
1: Okay, we move on.
0: (laughs) With the exception, the notable exception of that 70s dad. He's not there.
1: We'll talk about that 70s dad.
0: Oh my god. Okay, so speaking of Whitney Frost, whose genius defies categorization, we find her in her dressing room at her home. Because she's got this giant walk-in closet with, like, a vanity in it and fuck stuff. Yes, yeah, she does. It's like her little home office. I love it. And her maid is delivering a package that has holes cut in the box.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's from Isodyne Energy, by the it way. It is. Yeah.
0: So what has she been delivered?
1: Well, first of all, the maid's like, you know, something's moving in there. And Whitney's like, get the <laughs> fuck out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I know something's moving in there. I fucking ordered it. I know what it right. is. And at first I thought, oh, God, did she get more of the zero matter? Like, what's happening? No, she gets out a cage full of fucking rats, which makes yeah. me go, oh, my God, she's going to test her shit on rats? Are you kidding uh-huh.
0: me? Because yeah, it's got like a dozen white rats in it. It's oh, bad. my God. It's bad. <sighs> but anyway, we before we get to see any of that horror show go down, uh, we cut to Peggy and Jarvis, and they are staking out Calvin <laughs> Chadwick's Senate campaign office.
1: Uh, Jarvis was nice enough to uh, bring Peggy a button.
0: <laughs> yeah, Chadwick for Senate, a button,
1: which she promptly threw out. That was hilarious. Um, yep. <laughs> so, in general, with this episode, I thought Jarvis was a lot funnier than he had yeah. been. Like, it was super funny. I don't know they they yeah. turned up the funny in this episode. Yeah,
0: no, they're they're leaning into the three PO of J- Jarvis. Yeah, which in this episode, me and I am here for
1: something it. much horrible is going to happen next episode, but that's fine. Um, I see your face now. See, that's the beauty of Zoom. <laughs> um so,
0: <laughs> shit um um look i didn't say anything you don't know
1: yeah so jarvis has the magazine and he's like oh the the director disappeared that's weird and he also mentions <laughs> that some such and such actor and actress broke up already um so fucking hollywood it's so funny Yep.
0: yep. Uh, jarvis is a fanboy like let's he's he's trying to play it off like oh no <laughs> i'm not interested in this but you're totally interested that's your magazine
1: right right let's not play yeah, so anyway. So Chadwick finally gets out of the office and there uh, there's a driver with him. Uh-huh. And Peggy sees the driver's hand and Jarvis is like, "Oh, that's so funny. You know, the that guy that attacked you and almost murdered us the other night, he has the exact same wound. What a coincidence." And Peggy gives him the best stare. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yes, you're right. What a coincidence. My God. And then I, I presumably they follow or at least get the information on the car. Because right. then we immediately cut to a street scene, which I think is probably on the same street that it's they filmed street. Dr. Wilkes's house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, which I immediately because of you, I was like, Oh, well, well, there's half your budget for this episode.
1: Pretty much. They pro- they're probably going to use that. I mean, I assume they use that street for multiple, uh, multiple scenes or mul- mm-hmm. multiple episodes, because that shit's expensive.
0: Well, yeah, you just do it from different angles at different lighting, and it looks like different places in the city. Right. And put different extras out there. Anyway, Peggy's on a payphone with Rose. She just got the information that she needed. The car, they ran the plate. That car is registered to a Rufus Hunt. Mr. Hunt. Mr. Hunt. Rufus. Rufus was military. Mm -hmm. He served in World War II in the Philippines. Uh, in, in that whole theater of war, but he got a dishonorable discharge for black market profiteering. But that did not keep him from getting his current job as head of security at the Arena Social Club.
1: Yay. He's corrupt and evil. Yay. He's a bad man.
0: (laughs) But like, they knew that. Um, so then (laughs) they're like, okay, so we need to, uh, we need to, to get Hunt. We need to get a hold of him, and we need to get we need to interrogate him. And so they need to develop a creative plot to subdue Rufus Hunt.
1: Right, because Jarvis points out, yeah, him alone was difficult for both of us at the same time. Right, right, exactly. Uh, And Peggy Peggy actually agrees with that. Like she wasn't, Uh yeah, she didn't deny that. So God bless Peggy Carter. She's so smart. That's
0: what that's what happens when you are competent but without arrogance or ego. Yeah, she knows her limits. She knows that she can't take this guy on alone even with Jarvis helping her. Yeah. So yeah, we need to get creative. And so Jarvis just happens to have in the trunk of his car a tranquilizer rifle. What? Yep. And Peggy's like, "Why why do you have a tranquilizer gun?" And he and he's like, "Well, so Mr. Stark has this menagerie that I have to that I have to tend to and sometimes it requires extreme measures." And she's like, "Tell me it's not the flamingo." And he says, "No. The koala." It's adorable appearance but lies a vile temperament. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that shit is accurate, That's okay? Accurate. Koalas, Koalas are, are, ar- are They're awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, like they look adorable and they look like they just they don't move real fast and they don't, but they're just they're vile. They're awful little creatures.
1: That reminds me of a story. Let me tell you about how I learned death. <laughs>
0: You learned death?
1: Le- learned about death. Um, okay. Uh, it was, Does this uh, involve a koala or
0: have you ventured far afield? This is about a
1: koala. Um, oh, God. So uh, for those of y'all that live in LA, you know, you know about the world famous koala house. It is one of the largest uh, uh, observation areas uh, where you can see koalas in a zoo-like setting. And uh-huh. uh, for my, I think it was third grade field trip, um, we went to the LA Zoo and it was an awesome time. We went into the koala house, and they're all, oh my god, all these cute koalas are all up <gasps> in the trees, and they're eating leaves. A, a young koala gets up next to a tree where there's another koala. The bigger koala turns around and pushes the fucker off the tree, and yep. we heard this horrible screaming sound. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's how I learned about how that's how I learned about death, because all of us and, kids and were fu- murder and murder. All of us <laughs> kids were fucking horrified. And the teacher was like, get them the fuck out as quickly as possible. And, you know, the zookeepers like "Uh, uh number 451 pushed number, you know, whatever. Uh, and he's probably dead. You know, like that, that's literally <laughs> what they said. So.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Like number 451 was like the serial killer of the koala exhibit. Yeah. And they all fucking knew he was going to do it. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> koalas, man.
1: They're they're mean. They're mean. They're, I,
0: I've watched... Uh, look, I lived on Animal Planet for a long time, you know. <sighs> oh, yeah. And so I, I encountered enough footage of koalas being god-awful. They're, you know what? I think Jarvis needs a bigger gun.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we will explore that another time because we cut to Broxton, Oklahoma, 1920. What? Yeah. Now, here's the thing about Oklahoma, 1920. We know because it's Oklahoma that we're about to go see Agnes Cully, mm, right. a.k.a. Whitney Frost, because she's from Oklahoma. But 1920, Oklahoma is a particularly hopeless time. Absolutely. The Great Depression is just a few years away. Uh, Oklahoma, this part of Oklahoma in particular, is prime Dust Bowl territory.
2: Yep.
0: It's about to get real fucking bleak in this area in this time and this is where this this little this pretty little genius is trying to fucking i don't know grow up be a person is in this environment so i'm already sympathy for the devil here with whitney frost
1: yeah i mean i I wouldn't have known any of that because i didn't pay attention in american history class i find american history very boring uh (laughs) but do you remember the show carnival
0: um, that is one of those shows that I'd never watched, and now I obviously I need to. It's on my, my very but, long well, cause
1: list. cause Clancy, Clancy fucking.
0: Oh, no, everybody. Clancy Brown is in it. Uh, Michael K. Williams yep. is in it. Yep. Um, it, all my boyfriends. Yeah. Um, all of them. What's his name? The one with the, with the, the buggy eyes. And the Steve Buscemi. Oh, um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I would recommend 100%, but that's, that's it. I, and I recommend watching that show, even though it doesn't end because it got canceled. Uh, oh, it's motherfucker. A, it's a, it's a beautiful show. Um, but, <sighs> but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Oklahoma, uh, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, 50s. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's just generally a terrible fucking place.
0: It still is. Yeah, still is. Fuck there. Oklahoma.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, if, if anybody in Oklahoma, if you are in Oklahoma right now, you can hear the sound of my voice and you have a uterus, get out. Yeah, I know it's hard. I know we think we can't afford to move. Who can afford to move these days? No one can, but you and your uterus can't afford to stay either. Right. Just saying. Anyway, gosh, politics. What's that about? There's no politics in
1: Marvel, Stephanie.
0: There's no politics in Marvel. I really should check myself. Force I wreck myself. But here we are (laughs) in Broxton, Oklahoma in 1920, and there is an adorable little moppet blonde girl uh, sitting at a table tinkering with a radio. Right. And uh, she's just, she's happy as can be, just do ba do ba tinkering with it. And then um, a, a pretty lady barges in and uh, tells her that uh, Uncle Bud is coming over and she needs to be sweet to Uncle Bud. <sighs> hate this. And look, if you've ever been the child of a single mom, this is not an unfamiliar scene. Right. I'm just saying. Right. I am not going to speak specifically from personal experience. Just saying, this is not an unfamiliar scene. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, her mom, who, by the way, real quick, uh, I did not get the name of little baby Agnes in this scene because I, I don't, I, I worked in the film industry for long enough to be weirded out by child actors and the whole culture surrounding them. So um, that is a kid. I checked her IMDb. She hasn't done a whole lot else. I'm going to leave her name out of it. Okay, cool. Uh, but her mom is played by, is that's Will McCulley, Uh And she is played by Samare Armstrong. Oh. Uh, Sam- Samare Armstrong is, uh, she's a solid working TV actress. She's been in uh, Resurrection, Sons of Anarchy, Arrow, The Mentalist, NCIS, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, That's awesome. That's good. Yeah, right? Love it. Uh, and she kills this role. Like, she sells this, and I 100% buy it.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, she 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 did an excellent job. I She infuriated me and pissed me off, yeah. so she did her yeah. job.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. That <sighs> mission accomplished. So, anyway, she's like, you need to be sweet to Uncle Bud when he gets here. Uncle Bud comes in, and he is an older middle-aged man, uh, and is clearly excited to be there because he's going to bang it out with the mom. Yep. Right, but he... uh has to, like, real quick, he's got to, like, pander to the kid for a second. And she is, you know, tinkering with the radio and she's writing some stuff down with a pencil. He reaches over and pops the pencil out of her hand and tells her, I bet you'd be real pretty when you smile. Why don't you smile for Uncle, Uncle Bud? Yep. And she looks him dead in the eye and goes, because I'm thinking. <laughs> and her mom is furious. Because she was not sweet to Uncle Bud, and now Uncle Bud's in a mood. By the way, Uncle Bud is being played by an actor by the name of Chris Mulkey.
1: He is one of those that guy actors, isn't he? He
0: is a very much a that guy actor. Mm -hmm. Currently, right now, he has 267 acting credits.
1: Holy shit.
0: 13 of which are right now in post-production like he's he he's that
1: shows or or is he on it's all different
0: projects
1: wow that's insane he's that fucking
0: prolific during a pandemic
1: that's i mean uh good job you did an excellent job playing a fucking pig thank you yeah
0: i personally i recognize like i don't want to list everything he was in because my god it's a long-ass list i personally recognized him from justified did you ever watch justified
1: i missed that no
0: Oh, my God. It's so good. Uh, But he he plays a guy who's uh, growing weed on the wrong territory. (laughs) Anyway. So Uncle Bud is a fucking pig. And he tells baby Agnes to smile. She doesn't. Her mom is pissed. And she's like, and baby Agnes is like, but I fixed the radio. And she did. She did. This little, like, eight-year-old girl fixed the fucking radio.
1: And this ain't, this ain't, like, some, like, you know, motherboard, circuitry radio. This is, like complicated pieces 1920 fucking yeah, 1920s radio radio yeah yeah so holy anyway. shit she's smart
0: right so we cut from that radio to the radio in whitney's dressing room yep so see we're tying these things together and and also whitney is doing a science just like little baby agnes did a science when uh, she fixed that radio uh, she,
1: re- she writes in her journal zero matter experiment number one very organized mm-hmm.
2: Yay.
1: And she picks up one of the fucking rats. And I'm like, no,
2: <laughs> don't
1: do that to the rat. Oh, my gosh. But she's not able to. She's trying to do something. Doesn't quite work. And then, thank God. Uh, and then this is the only time in the podcast I'm ever going to say this. <laughs> thank God Chadwick walks in.
0: <laughs> right. And he just barges in. And she's like, fucking God. Like, she barely gets the rat back in its cage and the cage covered before he barges in. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, ugh. But he's there because he uh, wants to be like, hey, your director's still missing. I need to rep- repeat that plot point. Also, Life magazine cover photo shoot. Are you ready? It's going to be awesome. Fucking.
1: Yeah. And, she, and, and, and he's like, you know, wear that white dress because of the...
0: The neckline.
1: Yeah, i.e. you'll show off your boobs.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... They they basically, they've got a photo shoot later that evening for Life magazine. It's going to be great for his campaign. Uh-huh. Uh, and especially if his wife will show off her ta for the camera a little bit, his movie star wife, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And just looking at Whitney and you see her smile and she's smiling and laughing and humoring him. And we just saw when she was a little girl and men told her to smile and she refused Somewhere along the line, she learned to smile for men. Yep. To get what she wanted. In this case, it was for him to go away and let her get back to her rats. Insane. Which he did.
1: Yeah. And she takes and... the rat out again. <laughs> uh, the, uh-huh. Did the rat bite her or scratch her? I couldn't Yeah, know. it bit her. Okay. So the rat yeah. bites her. She gets pissed. And all of a sudden, this black darkness goose shit comes back and it, it, the rat's gone.
0: Yeah, it gets consumed into her hands. The scar on her face grows a little, oh. the, black, the shiny black scar. And then she just kind of like, huh, and picks up her notebook and furiously starts taking notes. Oh, my God. Because she is, she's, she's going to apply scientific method to this. She's going to analyze this and figure it out because she's a goddamn genius. Uh. <sighs> Meanwhile, speaking of goddamn geniuses, we're at Rufus's house. Oh, God. And Jarvis is doing another fake American accent. <laughs> um, I can't help
1: but feel a little insulted by this accent at this point. Uh, Jar- uh-huh. But, you know, Jarvis says, uh, Jarvis is knocking at the door. Hunt's freaking out. He's getting his clothes on as quickly as he possibly can. Because
0: Jarvis is banging on the front door saying he's the police. Yeah, Open
2: up, this is the police!
0: Because and, he's trying to make Rufus run out the back door.
1: Right. Uh, and he says something like, I'm going to go in there and start squirting lead. And I was like, oh my... By the way, that, that was my other line. Um, <laughs> brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Um, Love it. Uh, there, there was a next-door neighbor, a woman like that was like came out of her doors looking at Jarvis, and Jarvis is like, uh, "Ma, go inside." That part I didn't get.
0: He said, "Mom." Yeah, because his British accent slipped, and when you're a British person saying "Ma'am," it comes out "Mom." Oh, yeah. okay. You didn't watch enough BBC in your formative 20s.
1: Heather, I am a 90s gay. Do you know how many times I watch fucking arrest? Uh, oh, fuck, Abfab?
0: Okay, then you should know.
1: They don't say mom. Well, not.
0: Well, not on Abfab. No, that's, that's a title of respect, okay? That's something that, that you pick up from, like, Torchwood and Doctor Who and yeah, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, no, no. Not that show. <laughs>
0: no, you watch trashy British shows. And that's Duh. One. Yes. That was the um, Real Housewives of the era. The British real uh, no,
1: Wives. absolutely fabulous is way better than real housewives. Well, cuz
0: it was scripted and that was and those yeah. were actors. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, Rufus runs out the back. There's Peg- Peggy with the tranquilizer gun. She shoots him with it. He keeps walking towards her. And, and she's she like,
1: complains. she's like, "That should have knocked out a rhinoceros. What the fuck?" Exactly. I love that. So now,
0: now she has to fucking fight this guy again. And he, like, gets an arm around her neck and stuff, and they're rolling around on the ground. She manages to get a hold of another dart and, I think, stabs him
1: with it. So, improvisational weapon counter?
0: Yeah, improvisational weapon counter. Maybe it's like a half a ding, because it is a dart. It's intended to do that.
1: Yeah, kind of sort of a weapon,
0: yeah. Yeah, but you're supposed to shoot it at him and not stab him with it. Yeah. but they have the damnedest time because they do get him finally somewhat subdued. They shove him in the trunk of the car. Um, but he still, he like gets back up and takes a swing at Jarvis and stabs Jarvis with a dart. So now Peggy has a drugged Jarvis and an angry, drugged, half-drugged <laughs> man in the trunk of the car. And she just drives home like it's just Tuesday.
1: Yeah, because, you know, she's been she's there Peggy. worse.
0: Yeah, this is, this is not the weirdest day she's had.
1: No, it's just And that's something...
0: That's something about MCU main characters. Like that that moment in Iron Man where <laughs> Tony like Pepper walks in on Tony getting the suit taken off of him and he's like, "Okay, come on. This is not the weirdest thing you've ever caught me doing." I feel like that line applies to every single MCU main character we ever have.
1: Especially, yeah, it's especially uh <laughs> some some characters more than others, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure Peggy has This is not her weirdest day. This
0: is not her weirdest day at all. Um, Anyway, so she drives back home to Shay Stark and is dismayed to find that Chief Souza is at the door. Why is he there? He's there to talk about the case and to let her know that Thompson approved her vacation days.
1: Though he wasn't and, happy about it, apparently.
0: Well, yeah, but fuck Thompson. Who cares? <laughs> and, and basically he's got a file there and he's like, I've got some information about, some more information about uh, Agnes Cully, aka Whitney Frost. Apparently she was discovered out in front of a movie theater. Isn't that interesting? And Peggy's like, uh huh, fuck off.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. I will take this file and you'll go away. And is like, uh huh. Okay. So for a spy, you're not super good at trying to get rid of a person because I caught you.
1: Well, it does help that Sousa has some uh, perception skills. Um,
0: Yeah. and Also she was being really bad at it, but I think it's because she was honestly very flustered. Um, And I would be too, because God, he looks good today.
2: Mm -hmm. That That...
0: that green shirt is working on him. It's, Mm -hmm. um, it really Mm -hmm. sets off his skin tone. (laughs) I just fucking love it. I just, uh, anyway, so he's like, "Uh huh." I'm gonna go look at your car now because I am suspicious of everything you do. And he goes back towards the car, and there's Jarvis unconscious. Uh, <laughs> and then he hears voices, a muffled voice, and and thumping from the trunk of the car.
1: And Hunt's like, "Help or get me out yeah. here, or whatever he says." And, and
0: Peggy's like, "We caught a possum."
1: My, but my face, but Susa's expression was hilarious because um, yeah. he was annoyed but not surprised
0: yeah (laughs) that's legit (laughs) again not the weirdest thing he's caught her doing no this is mm, yeah uh but then uh she's like okay so i might have a man stashed in the boot of the car (laughs) cut cut to them inside susa screaming it's a felony (laughs) Why don't, and she's like, why
1: don't you trust me? I would be, I would fucking help you. God damn it. Exactly.
0: And here's where we find out the reason Peggy isn't telling him, even though they just talked about this, how he can't help her if she keeps on fucking Lone rangering all over the place.
2: Right.
0: The reason that Peggy's not telling him is she wants him to have plausible deniability because she feels like her presence in the city is hurting his life enough. She's already gotten him in trouble at the SSR. She's already ruined his proposal with Violet. Because she fucking had a crisis and he had to come out and try and save her life and stuff, and and she just fucking feels bad. And he's like,
1: "Well, I'll sleep better if you stop pushing me away. Let me help you." Okay, a so uh, pick a lane, dude. If you're going professionally,
0: that's the thing. Is he has to correct? He's but like, he... "Quit pushing me away," and then he corrects to, "Let me help you with the case." Like he meant, "Don't push me away emotionally." So he had to like turn it. Back to appropriate space Which is let me help you with this fucking case But that's
1: bullshit because if it was a professional thing He would never have shown up to the house in the first place He would have called her up and been like Hey, your vacation's approved Congratulations, goodbye And, ha- and hang up the phone
0: Well, obviously he's madly in love with her And he's going to find oh, any thinly veiled point. excuse like To be there
1: Break up with her, be like, Peggy, here's, I love you, I want you back
0: no, no, That no, invisible
1: no. dude Has nothing on me
0: No, no, no we don't need to break up with anybody. Violet is lovely and kind and we love her. Wilkes is brilliant and and made of pleasure. We love him too. Why porque no polyamory like <laughs> This is another one of those options, like so many, and this is why it doesn't ever get explored in in romantic stories, because we wouldn't have these so easy to trip and fall headfirst into conflicts of I am with someone else, but I yearn for you. If people would just go, you know what? Let's just sit down and have a very clearly communicated, open conversation about polyamory right now. Is monogamy really working for us here? Yep. Huh? Because you know what? Sometimes it doesn't. And I think, I personally, I personally feel that extremely busy, extraordinary people like Sousa, like Peggy, like Wilkes, like Violet, who's a nurse for fuck's sake. They really benefit from polyamory because if you're that fucking busy, you're going to be away all the time. There's going to be, you got to have more people in the relationships if somebody's at home. So somebody's there. So somebody can, so you can be with each other and, and nobody gets, you know, lonely. Saying
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it comes down to, I just like to bone guys and have different kind of conversations with them afterwards. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my reasoning. And that's, a, a, that's, that's all. I um, just think
0: it's entirely unreasonable to expect one person to be your everything for the rest of forever. But that's because I myself am polyamorous and I'm pushing the poly agenda here. And I'll back off now. It's oh great. my God. Oh it's my great. God. How dare you? I know. <laughs> I know. Um,
1: Side note, during this fight, um, Jarvis is fucking hilarious. Uh, he is on the couch and he suddenly says in the middle of all this tension, Oh, mommy, it's the biggest horse ever.
0: <laughs> and that's right when Peggy's trying to make the point that Jarvis was valid, a valid choice for backup. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, honey. Anyway, Suze is finally like, fuck. Like, it's already, she already kidnapped the man. It's
1: done. It is so, done.
0: And he's like, okay, fine. What is your plan for him? And she's like, well, I was thinking I'd kill him.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And Susan just kind of does a double take, and we cut to the interrogation of Rufus Hunt. Mm -hmm. Can you
1: tell me more about Rufus Hunt?
0: uh, Is he single? <laughs> is he is he kind of is he kind of dirty, hot, and beefy, and a little sweaty and roughed mm-hmm, up, and mm-hmm, tied mm-hmm. to a chair right now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like all these things. These are all. This is a good equation. Adds up to fun. Just saying. But anyway, oh, we're being vile, depraved, middle-aged, busting <laughs> over everybody in the show now, aren't we? Oh no, we should take our feedback to heart.
1: Uh, but uh, fun. Uh, what's the actress' name again? I forgot.
0: Oh, fuck, I don't remember. Not John Travolta. Hold on. No, Not hot John Travolta either. Chris Browning. Chris Uh, Browning.
1: uh, A friend of mine has told me, I I can't find the link anymore. A friend of mine has told me that Chris Browning was at one point on a website called Cowboys and Angels. Have you heard of this website?
0: No. But it sounds like I might want to.
1: It's not around anymore, but it is a... A male escort service Not sexy escort Just you know I need to show up to
0: I need a plus one
1: I need a party I'm, go- I'm going to a benefit concert Or whatever I need a plus one That's That kind yeah. of place Yeah Nice Yeah
0: How nice Yeah nice? no I bet he cleans up great Get him yeah. in a suit
1: But, what, what, but five like hundred, not too 500 an hour yeah. yeah
0: Yeah He better clean up great <laughs> Shit <laughs> anyway. Well if
1: you pay extra for dirty
0: Do you? Okay. All things are negotiable. Anyway. Wow. So, wait,
1: what is going on tonight? Okay.
0: <laughs> we are being vile. I would like to point out that review, as far as I recall, didn't say we should stop <laughs> being vile, depraved people who need an extra explicit label. So
1: right.
0: I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Okay. So they've got him trussed up at, to a chair in, I guess, the boiler room under Shea Stark.
1: I, I, um, I said it was a basement. I don't know sure Cause do they have basements houses don't usually have basements
0: i was about to say yeah um no yeah we don't have basements we don't have basements here either so
1: i don't know anyway
0: anyway uh so Susa starts off pretty strong with the interrogation blah 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 tell us about the club and everything that they're doing there and rufus hunt is like blah 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 i'm a tough-ass motherfucking veteran who's who fought the japanese and they tortured me and dragged me by my fingertips behind a jeep twice a day and it was and they couldn't break me so you're not gonna break me uh so <laughs> So then Sirius is like, "Okay, fine. Uh I guess I hand this over to Peggy now." Right. And Peggy walks up with a syringe. <laughs> she has a syringe in her hand. And he's like, "You can't torture me." And she's like, oh, "We're not going to torture you." And he's like, "Yeah, because uh, you know, blah blah blah, people like you are so good. Bl- I'm blah blah blahing him a lot because it's all pretty. Pretty typical noir dialogue. Yeah. You're so good, you don't have you have a line that you won't ever cross. And Peggy's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I meant to say, we're not going to torture you because we don't have time. What?
1: Uh what? It takes time to break a man like that down.
0: I suppose so. Like, like, we gotta like, do I would this faster. Of,
1: I would take a lot of time to I break would, that man down. I would anyway. take my time. Yeah. I'd take my time with him. Yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. In a couple days at least. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay, okay uh so but we cut away from that and we we like rufus hunt are left to wonder exactly what the fuck she means um and we cut to bletchley park england 1940 what do you know what bletchley park is no aside from being quite possibly the most british sounding name for a place i've ever heard
1: absolutely but no bletchley park Bletchley Park,
0: Bletchley Park, historically speaking, in World War II, is the place where the British codebreakers were. That is where Alan Turing and his team broke the German Enigma code. Oh, cool. This is where the codebreakers are, which makes sense. That's why Peggy is there, because this is the point in the war, very early days, because this is 1940, where Peggy is working as a codebreaker. You may recall we encountered that skill last season.
1: Yeah, because it was effortless for her to do that.
0: Yeah, because it was her job. Right. It's what she did. It's how she served her country. Right. Anyway, she's in the middle of an entire office full of giggling women, and she is holding up her left hand with a giant fucking rock perched on the ring finger.
1: Yeah. Can we talk about the office real quick?
0: Oh, sure. Go ahead.
1: Uh, By the office, I mean the SSR office that they barely took any fucking time to-
0: They put stuff in front of the windows. It looks different. It's completely different. (laughs) ABC,
1: give me a fucking break. Give me a they break. don't give a fuck. They we don't give a fuck that cheap. Are you really? Are you really some,
0: that cheap? But Did you see the shot on the street earlier? They blew a lot of budget on this. And so, yeah, all they could do was like put some shelves in front of some windows to make it look slightly different. But yeah, I think I think you're right. That is the SSR. Yeah.
1: Anyway, re- I rest my case. Yep. <laughs>
0: You rest that case, baby, anyway, um, so uh, they are talking, they're giggling, they're like, "Oh my God, I never thought Fred would actually ask you, oh my God. and we placed bets on it and stuff like that, and who the fuck is Fred, yeah. okay, he's that Apparently. He's,
1: not, he's not Captain America, so I don't give a fuck.
0: yeah, he's not Captain America, he's not Jason Wilkes, he's not Daniel Souza, he's unworthy,
1: yep.
0: Saying, in fact, I, anyway. in
1: fact, I hate him. But we'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah.
0: I I hate him already. Yeah. I haven't even laid eyes on him. Then when I lay eyes on him, oh, that locked that shit in, right? But anyway, so Peggy is celebrating her engagement to Fred, and she gets called into the office by her boss. And what does her boss give her?
1: A envelope that has mm-hmm. a weird insignia on it, and also the letters SOE, uh-huh. special, which stand for Special Operations Executive. Correct. Uh, um, apparently, Winston Churchill himself is putting a special group together mm-hmm. to do field work, spy work, etc. And Peggy was selected to do this. And, and she was like, holy shit, me?
0: Right. Here's the thing. Pause real quick. The SOE is a real thing. I know. But I'm telling the listeners that, too.
1: Oh, oh! I thought you were just talking to me.
0: No, other people besides you exist and are listening to this show, hopefully. At least one person who thinks we're gross is. Are you okay?
1: Y'all, um, I get this kind of abuse all the time from Stephanie. But...
0: <laughs> Making you realize that there are people in the world besides yourself is not abuse.
1: Isn't she mean? Like, oh my God. <laughs> anyway. Yes, I know, I know this. I know you. This.
0: The S O. Okay, well then you I thought, talk about it. I thought this
1: podcast was a fucking conversational thing. Anyway, yeah, no, it is the a tr- fucking
0: conversational thing. But sometimes I'm telling you information you already have, so that the listener will have it too. So
1: what do you want me to do? Play dumb, and do you want me to smile for you, Stephanie? Is that what you want?
0: I can't see your face. Yeah, you can minimize that window
1: because we're setting up a Patreon. <gasps> but I, oh my god!
0: But I've minimized that window. Oh, okay. Because I'm distracted by my own eyebrows. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, no, Winston Churchill uh, set up the Special Operations Executive uh, Unit uh, as a way to try to organize a a, a lot of different spy uh, projects and missions, which historically in our world had a a lot of mixed success. Um, Thankfully, in the MCU, it was extremely successful because uh, Peggy was so badass at it, apparently, that she got the attention of Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she started working with the Strategic Scientific Reserve and Captain America and all of that. But yeah, I was surprised to learn that the SS- SOE really did use female agents because they would attract less attention.
1: And that's legit. Um, yep. For the record, so did Russia. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And you would think after whole-ass wars were impacted by men underestimating women, that they would stop doing that.
1: Uh, Bigotry, bigotry, uh, tribalism, and groupthink prevent somebody from uh, seeing clearly and intelligently.
0: Misogyny is immortal. Right. Yeah. That's some shit that's got to be unlearned on a broad scale. But anyway, uh, so yeah, the SOE wants to recruit Peggy. Peggy's like, um, I don't know if I'm really meant for field work. Uh, and but her boss is like, this is this is your chance yeah. to strike a blow for king and country. You could do it. And then she makes me want to pull my teeth out by saying, "I will discuss it with my fiance."
1: I know. I wanted to jump out the window,
0: but I'm afraid I'm simply not cut out for that kind of work. And like Peggy,
1: Peggy fucking Carter. Ugh.
0: Wow. Wow. Give me a Okay, so cut from Peggy saying, I'm afraid I'm simply not cut out for that kind of work, to Dude, Peggy stabbing just, Rufus in the neck with a, in a syringe. In the fucking neck with
1: a, thick, <laughs> the, a syringe, y'all. If you haven't seen the episode, it's not one of the small little petite syringes that you get no. on your arm. No, it's a big ass fucking syringe you can murder somebody with if you, don't, if you do it right.
0: Right. So she stabs him with it. He's like, ow, what the fuck was that? And she's like, <laughs> look. You served in tropical zones. Are you are familiar with malaria? Well, this is a particularly virulent strain of malaria developed by Stark Industries. It should uh, be fatal within 20 minutes. I have an antidote, but why would I bother giving it to you if you're not going to talk? Anyway, I'll be back in 10 minutes.
1: And the dude is like shitting bricks. Like like his face is selling the whole yeah. situation. Like, And and do you, did you notice how his face turned when she said Stark Industries? Uh-huh. Yeah. He's That's like, what did it. Because he's like... Oh shit, what if she's injecting me with something that's like much worse than what either it works or it's much, much worse and it's going to work a lot quicker works. than what she thinks?
0: Exactly. So, this whole syringe situation that is, uh, that's a twofer on Dings on the Counter. I'm counting that as one uh, impromptu weaponry. Okay. Stabbing a man with a syringe. And two, stark tech bullshit. Agreed. Because she really did inject him with something uh, <laughs> howard tried to develop a cure for the common cold he ended up developing something that gives you a very intense common cold very very quickly
1: and that's it it doesn't do it's anything a-
2: <laughs> and so
0: i just keep on wondering why anybody ever lets howard science anything ever uh because he keeps he keeps fucking it up a lot I'm some shit works Some of it works, and And, the stuff that does work is brilliant. Yeah. Anyway,
1: so so Peggy tells Susa this, and Susa's like, "This is fucking crazy," and
0: he's right. (laughs) Again, still not the weirdest thing. Sorry.
1: And then suddenly, after so after the scene, we leap back into a fucking flashback in Oklahoma again.
0: Yep, 1928 Oklahoma. So this great depression. This I
1: fucking hate. I hate. I hate with a passion. I hate the scene.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. uh, Whitney is working on some magnificent uh, blueprints. By the way, the same blueprints that
0: they at were at the beginning of the
1: episode. Yeah, um,
0: these are the same blueprints that were found on the that Wilkes was looking at on the patents, where he said that that was fucking beyond genius. Yeah, is what this teenage girl is working on in this fucking shitty kitchen in Oklahoma in 1928.
1: Yeah, so her, uh, she's overhearing her mom being dumped because a uh, man found a younger model and he's Uncle actually Bud. Gonna, and he's actually going to marry her. And she needs to get the fuck out of the house by, like, tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Uncle Bud was the landlord.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he yeah. leaves uh, after leaving some money on the table.
0: Paying which, her off like a whore.
1: I mean, and no, no shade at all to sex workers. If I could right. do that, I would do that. But I don't want to have sex with ugly people. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but
0: in this situation that was not how their how that that was not the kind of transactional their relationship was he absolutely left that money as a payoff to shut her up and as an insult
1: yeah absolutely 100%. but she
0: didn't turn it down
1: uh, she was pissed no, she, but well, she picked no, it up because in, in these times like you're desperate yeah. it's desperate every fucking time. penny yeah. yeah and i i ain't gonna shade that i would do the same fucking shit if i had to for a kid but you know what i would not fucking do Hmm. I would not turn around and blame my fucking child for yeah. the deterioration of a relationship, which is what she did. And fuck her, she can fucking die. I hope Whitney consumes her soul. I hope um, there's a I hope there's a real brief, real a real quick scene where her mom comes back. And is like, oh, Whitney, I need some money, and she's like, no, mom, and uh, fucking, <laughs> and then she eats black her black slime black all hair. over her, consume her, yeah.
0: So, yeah, her mom just starts screaming all over this poor kid saying, you know, uh, that apparently the kid applied for a, a science program at Oklahoma University of some kind. Yeah. And they rejected her because did you really think they were going to take a girl? No one cares what's in your head. And She like grabs her and physically drags her into the bathroom, stands her in front of a mirror, grabs her by the face and says, This is the only thing that's going to get you anywhere in this world. Is your face. Nobody cares about your brains. They only want your pretty face. Hate her. Hate it. Hate her, yeah. Hate it. So then we immediately cut to a shot of the empty cage. The rats are all gone. Mm -hmm. Whitney's crazy black scar has grown quite a bit, but she looks very very satisfied.
1: Yeah, she She looks looks very pleased with herself. She looks very pleased with herself. And so uh, her phone rings and she picks it up, and it's her husband, Chadwick. Oh, uh-huh. oh, why aren't you at the party? You're an hour late. And she's like, oh, I don't feel like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, she she's late for the photo shoot. And she's like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to make it. And he's yeah. like, look, if you don't show up, they're going to cancel the entire cover story because it's your face they want. And she's like, click. Yep. Because fuck you only wanting my face. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these flashbacks are like memories that are kind of ruminating in the back of these women's minds. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we are, we're getting their, both of their backstories because these, these are very similar women. Yeah, in a lot of ways, like they both have have glorious, brilliant potential. And in in one way or another, it's either being stifled by the world or stifled by themselves for one reason or another. And it's just it's it's really interesting to see um, over the course of this episode how similar and yet so different these two women are.
1: Well, Peggy, Peggy had a family who loved her. Yeah, I don't think Whitney did.
0: No, she did not. Anyway, sweaty Yay, Rufus. Good Yay, good <laughs> Yay. Uh,
1: yeah, so back at the basement, Hunt is sweaty. fucking sick. Fucking sick, and he's, uh, he's still trying to put up a fight, but it is just not. It is not happening. Um, yeah,
0: I love that in this scenario, Sousa's the good cop, and he's like, "You got to give her something." You got to just give us a name, give her something. And, like, and Peggy's like, "Eh, he's not going to talk. Let's go. He'll be dead in five minutes anyway." Like <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is their dynamic. Uh, but it scares the shit out of Rufus, and he finally starts coughing up names.
1: Yeah, he he, he says uh, Thomas Gloucester, Hugh Jones, who by the way rocks on energy. Rocks on. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, "Oh," Peggy's like, "Oh, I know her."
0: <laughs> I know that bitch. And and they're like, just give us some more names. We can offer you protection. And he's like, what? <laughs> you can't protect me from them. I can't run from them. There's no running from these men. You think the men I work for are just criminals? Like a like a stick-up man? They're in everything. And what they can't
2: buy, they destroy.
0: And so that's when you can see on Sousa and Peggy's faces, they're starting to get a sense... That this is so much bigger than what they thought. Yeah. This is not a petty crook situation. No, this is a world were, domination situation. Yeah, because
1: they were just focused on Chadwick and Whitney doing some fucked up shit in LA. Right. But now mm-hmm. this turns out to be a grand conspiracy because they're told apparently this group is responsible for the murder of an American president. Yep. That uh, they caused a stock market crash, like all this shit. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal. Yeah.
0: It's a big fucking deal. And so Peggy's like, all right, well, you need to give us more information. And uh, he's like, I don't, I, I can't. I'm more scared of them. Then she puts the antidote bottle on the ground and puts her foot on it. And he's like, no, 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 no. Okay. <sighs> there is a storage room that where they keep all the recordings of every meeting of the Council of Nine.
1: What? Why are they recording their fucking meetings?
0: I know. Like, hello. A, why are you recording your meetings? But B, hey, they're called the Council of Nine now. Yeah. We haven't gotten that name check yet. They were just the council up to this point. Yeah, so.
1: we, and we've done the we've done the deep dive into the council already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we already talked about that. If bad people, they want to bring back aristocracy, blah, blah, blah. We're done.
0: The, it's a room full of evil white men. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Old, rich white men. So, that is coming to a crescendo downstairs. Meanwhile, Wilkes and Jarvis are in the lab and Jarvis <laughs> is writing out math equations on a chalkboard for Wilkes because Wilkes can't write it because he can't, can't hold write, a yeah. chalk Yeah, uh, and uh, it comes to a conclusion and Wilkes looks disappointed because apparently his theory uh, that his atoms had lost cohesion or something or whatever uh, had been proven wrong somehow by the math on the chalkboard
1: yeah I, I, I don't understand
0: I have a degree in theater I don't know <laughs> what that shit means um, anyway it's a dead end and Jarvis is like you know reassuring Butler talk blah 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 but Wilkes doesn't hear it because why
1: there is a black void the same it looks they look just like the veins on Whitney's head is suddenly appearing yes. on the chalkboard and uh, Wilkes is entranced by it he's mm-hmm. he's being called to it in fact
0: and he sees it and Jarvis doesn't it's like it's like zero matter ghost thing yeah. is is sort of luring him
1: Carol Ann, come to the light
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh he snaps out of it uh just in time for Peggy and Susa to come in and let them know that they finally got the information they need and they're gonna get a warrant to raid the arena club oh yeah,
1: yeah except <laughs> except uh, uh next scene they go back to the SSR uh-huh. uh, I loved all the SSR agents that are so excited to get the hold shotguns
0: they've got a shotgun it's like it was extras get to wear a suit and hold a shotgun day you guys into it you are yeah, all right yeah we will pay I you 50 it. bucks and a sandwich come and hold the shotgun
1: uh anyway uh so they're getting organized they're about ready to go and then that 70s dad terrible actor shows up and...
0: okay but before before <laughs> before we have to dive into that unpleasantness can we talk about the joy that is bossy in charge organized competency boner Souza?
1: oh go ahead
0: I ju- that, he's like, he's outlining the plan and he's directing all of these men and he's speaking with such, such confidence and skill. Like, you know, the plan is good and everything he's saying is on point because Peggy hasn't got shit to say. She's standing right there next to him and just nodding along because the plan is fucking solid. And he's like telling people where to go and telling them what the whole plan's going to be. And it's just, I fucking, I love, I, I. Competency boner for Sousa. I love it when they're good at what they do. Just fucking love that.
1: It, it That is Sousa.
0: Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, Vernon fucking Masters yeah. barges in.
1: By the way, I'm calling him a bad actor, by the way. I know that sounds really harsh, but I've actually found an interview with him where he's actually a really charming, really nice guy. And he actually openly yeah. says, I'm not that good of an actor. I'm a one, oh. I'm a one note guy but you know what that one note's really good and I got in a lot of work a lot more work the more actors so bless you dude I hate yeah. your fucking guts in this show love you in that 70s show you're playing the same character over and over again anyway. yeah
0: and it's just in this one he's. A, I think he's a little more evil than he was in that 70s yeah and the
1: first time I saw him he was in Robocop he was the bad guy I get it oh well there you go yeah yeah, yeah.
0: he's got that one note but he plays it well he does it well um, and I have and never they... been
1: I have never been cast in shit so what do I know
0: Uh, right uh so they come barging in and they're like hi it looks like you guys are really excited to go somewhere but the raid (laughs) is canceled (laughs) because instead you are all going to stay here and we're going to perform a deep dive audit of all of this office's past and present cases
1: which is bullshit
0: by executive fucking order yeah and is like, "What the fuck?" And then that seventies dad turns to Peggy and says, "And you must be the agent Carter I keep hearing about." Have I been dying to talk to you?
1: I bet he has. Now I yeah. will say, I will say this about the Vernon character: I do believe he respects Peggy. Oh and, yeah, and views her as a legitimate threat, not yes. not as a woman. So I will give him that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She is. He he views her as legitimately an obstacle. Uh-huh. And an opponent. And and he gives her the respect that she's due in that regard. And Peggy uh, is about to to realize that that is their relationship. Yep. Because he's like, let's go into this office and talk. And Peggy is already off on a rant, making her case to reinstate the raid. Right? hmm She says, and I love this line. There is no legitimate reason to prevent the SSR enforcing the law, even on those who believe they are above it.
1: And she stares at him.
0: Yeah. And he's like... Jack Thompson speaks very highly of you. Ugh. He says that you are quite the independent thinker. And she's like, I'm sure he meant that as an insult. <laughs> 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 yeah, he did. And that, I mean, I wasn't there, but I can confirm. Yes. Um, and so they chat for a little bit and Vernon is clearly fishing for the source, the CI that they are, whose information that they are acting on. He wants to know who fucking squealed. But she's like, no, we're keeping this confidential. That's what the C in CI means. It's a confidential informant. We're protecting his identity for his safety. But Chief Sousa and I both signed off on an affidavit. We can vouch for this is going to be enough for a warrant. And he goes, not this time. Yep. What? And he's like, yo, you need to tell me who the source is. You need to bring him in. And she refuses. Yep. And she's like, call it independent thinking. And uh, that's when he says... Something about uh, the Hol- Hollywood 10?
1: Yeah. Do you want to know about the Hollywood 10, Stephanie?
0: Yeah, because he, he says it like a threat. Yep. And then she says something about communist witch hunt. And um, I would love to know what the fuck they're talking about.
1: Uh, so uh, you just tell me when to stop talking about this, because unbeknownst to you, I wrote a really long fucking paper about this a long time ago. And this is a topic that I'm fascinated with, because in general... This is a good example of otherism, bigotry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and groupthink.
0: What, what do you mean? I got to stop you. I don't know where this story is going. I can, so uh, you need to rein yourself in. No, on I'm not this. responsible
1: for my own actions. Haven't you been oh, listening to me? For fuck's sake. <laughs> okay, real quick. Um, yeah, so y'all, let's bear in mind uh, this is before the USSR, this is before China, this is before a lot of different communist regimes that we know today exist uh uh and whatnot when communism was still a theory um a lot of people in this country in the united states thought it was an interesting idea yeah we had a communist party in the usa holy shit it Mm. was all theoretical and the great depression didn't fucking help things because a lot of people were suffering and um you know i know the great depression depicts you know, even powerful businessmen as getting poorer as well. You know, the, the symbol of the man jumping out the window because he realizes mm-hmm. he's broke. Yeah, that shit was bullshit. The fact is that a lot of wealthy people got richer during the Great Depression. Yep. Hmm. Does That sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so in, in Hollywood, there was a lot of shit happening, especially uh, studio execs not paying people uh, enough to for where they can even afford to live in L.A., even mm-hmm. back then. Uh, you know who is most notorious for this, by the way, Stephanie? Who? Walt Disney.
2: Oh. Oh. Uh,
1: so uh, a lot of uh, a lot of different a- actors, film production people, animations, uh, animation artists got together and unionized. It caused mm. such a fucking clusterfuck that Walt, uh, Walt Disney himself got disenchanted with being directly involved with any animation projects, and he went into this corner in his fucking mansion and played uh-huh. with... And played with toy uh, train model sets, which is his inspiration for Disneyland, by the way. Oh,
2: all right. <laughs> Yeah, isn't
1: that fun? Um, so there were actual actors uh, that were openly members of a American Communist Party. There were, huh. all, there were also a lot of actors who were just generally open and honest about how they felt about politics. They weren't necessarily communists, but whatever. Uh, so as soon as the war ended, a lot of politicians um, decided to start demonizing... Uh, communists in general because russia Mm -hmm. uh, because the ussr uh and a lot of different business owners took advantage of that because their workforce just fucking unionized and unionization equals socialism equals communism
0: right obviously that's a direct leap
1: so the hollywood 10 is in reference to 10 different uh it's a group of actors writers directors etc who were identified fairly early by a congressional committee that was that was uh, called the House of Un-American Activities Committee. There was this right. idea that there is such a thing as being a American and a, a, a such a thing as being un-American. Mm-hmm. And this this congressional committee asked these ten people to show up and fucking testify, and they refused to. They said it was bullshit. They said it was. Uh, uh impugning their rights and all that kind of stuff and by the way they were absolutely fucking correct whether you agree absolutely, with their yeah whether you agree with their politics or not they were being fucking discriminated against because yeah,
0: the the fifth amendment wasn't really a thing that was super applied right during this whole this whole era
1: yeah and so and so uh the uh this is where we got mccarthyism uh right. this became a uh a black eye in in uh, his, history historical politics or history. American history. So ultimately, these ten actors, along with many other uh, people, were completely blacklisted from Hollywood, and they weren't allowed to do any work in Hollywood until the early nineteen sixties. Mm. And that's that's the that's the Hollywood Ten. They later came out. They put together a documentary in I think the early the mid fifties. That was a huge hit with uh, the Beatnik, uh, the Beatnik uh, scene, uh, uh-huh. and the movie was actually illegal to be shown. In movie studio, uh, in movie uh, uh, theaters, uh, but it was it, it was still shown in like some like you know underground theaters and that kind of thing here and there. It was like a mm-hmm. cool kid thing. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So that's it. That's it in a nutshell. There's a lot more. I can keep going. So uh, well, okay,
0: but we're good. I, yeah. I think we got the relevant information. That's really fucking cool. Yeah, and and it's good to remember uh, just how fucking ugly uh, shit can get. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly in this country when you start tossing around other otherizing, uh, othering labels like communist yeah. uh, and such, when, when it's not being applied correctly, when it's just a bad word to call someone. Yeah. So when Vernon uh, Masters drops Hollywood 10 in this conversation and then points out to Peggy that she isn't even American, as she's actually a, a British spy working in this country, um, he's threatening... To tar and feather her as a as a communist and run her out of the country and and yep he um so she he tells her
2: a tidal wave is coming agent kerner and you are going to have to work very hard to stay
1: afloat
0: and she's like i'll manage and he says maybe so
1: but your friends could still drown Dun dun dun!
0: Pan behind him to Souza in an administrative fucking tizzy in the middle of all this bullshit right. going on with this audit. Okay, so he's he's playing on he's he had Vernon Masters has a hundred percent read Peggy correctly. That she is such a fucking hero that she doesn't mind taking on risk and danger and uh, and blacklisting or whatever for herself, but she would never dream of putting her friends at risk for for shit like that.
1: And he's right, unfortunately. He's right. Yeah, unfortunately,
0: no, he, he he read her correctly.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, but then we cut from that to Hampstead, England, 1940. What? I know. We have bounced. Um, This is, you know, it's 1940. This is early days uh, still of World War II. Uh, Remember that uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, is set in 1943 and plays on through 45. So we are at this engagement party for Peggy Carter with Fred, who we're about to meet. She is three years away from meeting Steve Rogers.
1: I I found this so jarring just because I always imagined Peggy had a lot more time before she met uh, Steve, but she got hard in pretty quick. Cause well, she was yeah. already like a hardcore badass by the time Steve met her.
0: Well, here's the thing is over the course of this conversation, uh, because it's if she's sitting down at her engagement t- party with Fred, her fiance and Michael, her brother. We get the impression pretty quick that she was a hard ass. Yeah. Like she could shotgun fucking whiskey with her brother. Uh, and she, you know, she... We already know from previous experience on the show, he taught her how to fight. She was a badass. She's fucking faking being a proper lady with Fred for some reason. And and Michael hates it. Michael I, hates Fred.
1: I hate it, too. I hate Fred, too, because Fred's like, oh, yeah. you didn't actually do that, darling, did you? You didn't actually do any of that. And I'm like, what kind of prissy asshole is Peggy with right now? What is and this? Like, What's happening? And
0: why? Why? And why? I don't understand it and we do, we will never understand it. There is no deeper dive into the why's or wherefores of this relationship. Okay. Um that's, that's just that's just how it is. Um so this conversation it's uncomfortable. Michael clearly hates Fred, but everybody's being very British and very polite. Um because Michael is a frontline soldier and Fred is home office. He's never been anywhere near the front lines of this war. Right. So, uh, there is an uncomfortable pause in the conversation, and Peggy tries to fill it by going, Did I tell you I was recruited to be a spy? <laughs> <laughs> we turned them down, of course. We decided not to do that. Ugh. We.
1: Peggy! And,
0: and Michael's Why? like, uh, we? <laughs> yeah, no, I,
1: I... Yeah, Michael's like, uh, this is not... This is not you. Who are you right now? Why are you right. with this guy? Is he your everything? Do you love him? And
0: So, Fred, this... But, but he's british so he's polite so he waits till fred leaves the table
1: uh, absolutely. absolutely to start saying
0: the what the fuck is this who the fuck is this guy why did you turn on turn down the soe job because it turns out michael recommended her for it
1: i know ah
0: because he knows her better than anybody, and he knows that that life, the SOE, making a difference, being out there, fighting, having adventure, that's what she really wants. He's like, I don't understand this relationship with Michael, I, with Fred. I don't get it. And he tells her, don't worry what other people think. You are meant to fight.
1: Yes. Uh, he actually says something along the lines of, "You were, as, as long as I've known you, you've always meant to be an adventurer. Exactly. And I, I love that. I love that line.
0: I fucking love that. I love, I, we know Michael exactly as well as we know Fred. I love Michael. I hate Fred. <laughs>
2: Amen.
0: Thank you. Amen. Thank that. you. Efficiently well plotted scene. It was written, directed, it was it was written well. It was directed well. It was acted well, uh, real quick, uh <laughs> by these actors. Uh Fred is played by a man by the name of Kevin Shangaris. He is a uh British working actor, apparent um. I, love I, that can last presume? Name. I presume all of his jobs were based on his ability to raise one eyebrow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she
0: does several times in that scene. Uh and Michael Carter, brother of Peggy Carter, is played by Max Brown. Max Brown is your classic go-to handsome British actor. Uh in The Tudors he was Edward Seymour. In The Royals he's King Robert and he is in one episode of Downton Abbey playing a character named Richard Ellis. <gasps>
1: That's right. That's where I saw him. Okay.
0: Okay, I knew you would recognize that. I didn't, but I knew you would. Anyway. Uh so we cut away from Wait, that. you've never
1: seen Oh, that's right. You never you never seen Downton Abbey.
0: I watched Downton Abbey up to the point I realized that that show fucking tricked me into watching a soap opera. Look. And then I quit.
1: Heather. Yes. What's her name is in the mo- in the show? Uh, Maggie Smith.
0: Look, I get it. I'm sure Downton Abbey is very entertaining and I'm sure there is some high quality shit that goes down, but once I realized that I had been duped into watching a soap opera, I quit
1: uh maggie smith i stand. um and stephanie you need to go to uh the best of the best of the whatever uh, that i forgot her i forgot her name the dowager, dowager, countess. dowager countess and watch her watch her <laughs> you late- can't
0: even remember her name you don't get to direct it's, me it's to down the avenue. i can't They're-
1: remember anybody's fucking name it's just like white people they all look the same nobody way.
0: has a name it's all titles
1: that's, that's true. it That's true. Everybody has a title. Anyway, Anyway,
0: God, this is not Downton Abbey Divas, and there's not going to be a Downton Abbey Divas. We are never
1: doing that show, ever. No, let's get
0: back to what we're supposed to be doing, which is we're back at the SSR, right? And Peggy is like on her way out, and Sousa catches up to her, and he's like, I am so sorry about all of this. I did not realize that the judge from whom I got the warrant was in the council's pocket.
1: And I was confused by that because I was like, "Oh, I thought there was going to be some time before Souza realized that that was a situation." But no, he oh, figured no. he figured it out real, real quick.
0: Yeah, but, no, he's he's super smart.
1: Right, but that also was like a big indicator to me. Oh shit, they're gonna fast track some shit right now, which is yeah. what what they do.
0: Yeah. Uh, So he's like, hey, uh, all right, what's our next move? And Peggy's like, well, you stay here and (laughs) I do do spice shit. And he's like, I'm rolling my eyes at you so hard. I got the tidal wave speech too, okay? Ah. I know that if I don't play ball, all of my friends are going to get tarred and feathered as commies. All right? So shut the fuck up and what are we doing? And he's so fucking cute in this scene.
1: I I fell in love with him all over
0: again. Oh, my God. Because he looks at her. And he gets with his big, super sincere, beautiful brown eyes. He looks at her and he goes,
1: I'm in this with you till the end, Peggy.
0: And like, I'm going to go ahead and call that a ding on the catchphrase counter. Because that is a deliberate echo of Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes saying, I'm with you till the end of the line.
1: 100. I I have that in my notes. I was like, Bucky, Steve, much?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. because these two, these two are the team. I mean, Peggy's got this whole tribe, but these two right here, no, they are that like that drift compatible team at the core of this entire thing. I love it. I love it. I love him. I love them. <sighs> Polyamory, y'all.
1: Souza <laughs> can see through Peggy's bullshit. Uh, yep. He did that in season one when he figured out it was Peggy the whole time doing the shit behind the scenes, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like, of course he's going to figure all this shit out. Of course he's going to be with her in the end. Uh, exactly why is he with fucking Vi- anyway because she's the same a-
0: reason peggy was with fred
1: violet's a fucking spy <laughs> i'm convinced she's a spy i'm convinced uh-huh. like something horrible's gonna happen Blah sure
0: yeah why not
1: yeah
0: uh-huh could be you don't know I hate but you. maybe not i hate you i hate you <laughs> anyway so suz is like since i'm with you till the end what do we do now? What's next? And, yeah. and Peggy's like, I don't know what we do because Vernon's people have all the evidence. And Susan's like, actually, I have this sample of Jane Scott's tissue.
1: <laughs> my fr- my first reaction was, huh? Who? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the, the frozen lady, the lady. The first lady. Yeah, yeah. I
0: thought I thought it was really cute that he had to bribe Samberley, the lab rat guy, uh, to give to sort of accidentally on purpose misplace the sample by saying that he would put in a good word for him with Rose.
1: I don't think Rose is going to appreciate that.
0: Uh, you know what? You're probably right, but yeah. I think it's adorable that Samberly has a crush on Rose. Everybody should have a crush on. Rose. I have a crush, have a crush, on, a crush on, on, Rose. on Rose. I love Rose. Love her. Anyway, so they're like, okay, cool. We are off and running. We have this sample of flesh, frozen flesh, I guess, um, and we are back at Rufus. In the basement, Sousa makes like he's going to be taking him out to execute him and totally lets Rufus uh, cold cock him in the face and run. This Wait. was entirely to cut Rufus loose.
1: Yeah. Uh, by the way, that punch did not look like it was fun. It Rufus no. has a big ass fist. and Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and Sousa, even, you know, he's on the ground. Uh, <laughs> and Peggy walks up and he's like,
2: I still don't know why I had to take a punch.
0: It's the least you could contribute. He's already throttled me twice. And like, she's right. Yeah. Anyway, so they um, have cut Rufus loose for reasons unknown, and we see Rufus is barging up to Whitney Frost's home door and banging on it.
1: And at this point, I'm like, oh, he, this is how he's going to die. <laughs>
0: yeah, this man's not leaving this house. There's no fucking this way. This is the
1: last, yeah, this is it.
0: He barges in, and oh, they planted a bug.
1: The same bug, the by the Rufus. way, that Peggy tried to put all over the uh, club, but didn't work. For whatever reason. Right.
0: So good thing he didn't go back to the club. Yeah, and
1: right. I don't anyway,
0: know. Uh, he's demanding to see Chadwick. Chadwick's not there. He's at a fundraiser. And the crew back at Shea Stark realize this is going to take a while. And uh, Rufus is talking about getting a drink. I could use a drink. And everybody looks at Jarvis. And Jarvis Ed, is like,
1: fuck. It. Fuck, I'll bring the bottle.
0: I'll <laughs> bring the bottle. And we cut back to Hampstead, England, 1940. What? Peggy is in a beautiful wedding dress.
1: Oh, I hate this thing.
0: But first, let's talk about the dress. Okay. Because it's worth talking about, okay? Because they put so much detail into this dress. In 1940, really? you you were not going to be getting a new wedding dress. Right. Because there's a fucking war on. Unless you were goddamn wealthy as hell, you were not going to be getting a new dress. So everything about this dress is made to look like it was done as nicely as possible, as cheaply as possible. Right. Lace and fabric are in very short supply, so it's not silk, it's uh, a cheaper kind of crepe fabric, and if you look very closely at the trim around the neckline and the hems on this dress, it's made of two different kinds of lace, which implies that Peggy's mom removed lace, possibly from her own wedding dress and possibly also from another wedding dress like her own mother's wedding dress, to add to this dress for Peggy. Huh. Huh. All of that was deliberate in the costume design, so I just thought that was like she couldn't have like you're going into a getting your dress ready pre wedding situation in nineteen forty It can't be like david's bridal
2: right you know right, right. there's
0: no there's no new dresses they were not wealthy huh uh, so it had to be this kind of really sweet, more affordable homemade situation. It's mm-hmm. so cool. I loved it um and so there's Peggy's mom who. By the way, Mrs. Carter, Hmm. Mrs. Carter is played uh, as she is weeping quietly over helping Peggy get her dress together in this moment. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Carter is played by an actress by the name of Carol Ruggier. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, Carol is, uh, she's an actress. She's done some TV stuff. Mostly she's done voice stuff. She is the voice of Athena and Aphrodite in God of War.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Also, she's a casting director, mostly for video games, like every Ghost Recon series game, Resident Evil, Devil May Cry. What? Yeah. That is who is fussing over the back of Peggy Carter's wedding dress in this scene. We have an old-school
1: gamer... As Peggy's uh-huh. mom, that's fucking yes. awesome. That is awesome. A
0: casting director for video games and Athena slash Aphrodite. Can you? Can you? Is who's? Can
1: Can you please call Stephanie and give her a job on the next Mass Effect game? Because she needs to be, she needs to be in the next Mass Effect game. There, I said it. Okay. I'm I, I'm I'm saying you have are you a good,
0: trying? Are you manifesting? What's going on
1: here? I, I need you to get cast into the next Mass Effect game, so you can play whoever, and then fucking tell me what's going on.
0: i don't here's the thing i've done voice work for for video games um the voice actors are the last ones to know what the fuck is going on we're just reading the lines i have very you get very little context you really just kind of know the unless it's like a big cinematic game like the last of us you don't know what the fuck's going on you just kind of know vaguely the situation and the emotional inflection they're looking for on the lines that's it
1: well just tell me which characters you bone (laughs)
0: <laughs> anyway god let's move on <laughs> shall we uh so we are god i gotta scroll back through my notes we're on bullet point number 24 in case you were wondering uh, <laughs> uh so, so a car pulls up outside oh. so peggy's mom is she's like okay i'm gonna go see who that is and so peggy watches through the window as her mom goes up to a car that has two soldiers standing next to it
1: and uh, so we know, we already know that her brother is uh, somebody kind of important in the, in the he's
0: military. He's on the front lines of the war.
1: That too. But but he was able, he, he was in such a position that he recommended Peggy for this super secret thing that, right. that Winston Churchill himself is putting together. So he's somebody important. So the fact that there is a car with two uh, highly decorated uh, officers uh, are there, they're only there because of one reason.
0: Yeah, and we don't, I mean, it's not hard to put together. Peggy's mom suddenly lets out a a horrible grief-stricken cry and crumbles to the ground. And Peggy knows immediately that means her brother Michael is dead. And the last time they spoke that we know of was a fight.
1: And Haley Atwell breaks my fucking heart. Breaks my
0: entire heart. And
1: I fucking cried like a bitch. And I had to take a break from watching the show because (sighs) she did such a good job.
0: It was so good with that scene, it was so sad, it
1: was so but yeah, good. her brother's fucking dead, and that's how, yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah, so then you know the the scene kind of fades for a second, and the next thing we know, we see the wedding dress is no longer on Peggy, it's on a dress form off to the side, she's taking her engagement ring off, she's got the letter from the s o e in her hand, and she's got a suitcase. Peggy is off to do what her brother told her was was what she, what, what should she was do supposed to do with her life what she knew was true to herself she's gonna go become a spy in honor of herself and her brother wow and like <sighs> i love right? her so much anyway back at shay stark we are listening in on the <laughs> blog on rufus it is taking for fucking ever. Rufus is a horrific house guest. He's giving Whitney shit about the quality of her booze. And uh, yeah. Peggy Peggy notices that Wilkes is kind of spacing out
1: over yeah. by the chalkboard again. Yeah.
0: So she wanders over and she's like, hey, buddy. you hey, how you doing? And he's like, I am fucking exhausted is how I'm doing. I am bone tired and I don't have any bones and I can't sleep and he he explains he describes it. it feels like something is is calling him and it's actually takes more energy to resist that call than it would be to just give up and let it and let it take him away yeah and so Peggy's like no no, no pep talk Whew, okay my brother told me that I was meant to fight and so are you you need to hold on here yeah. And so they have an almost, um, almost moment where she like wants to touch him and she can't. And it's so sweet. And then Sousa sees it and he needs to fix his fucking face.
1: Sousa, uh, you chose to get engaged to a fucking spy named Violet.
0: So, <laughs> and, and,
1: so get over yourself.
0: He's like, I get it. Your feelings are hurt because you love her and you are seeing her have this this sweet connection moment with another man who, corporeal or not, is definitely um, a hell of a guy. And you just fix it. Fix your fucking face, man. Fix your fucking face. Okay, choices were made. Either make new choices or explore polyamory, but fix your fucking face in the meantime. Yep. God damn it.
1: Yep. So uh, meanwhile, back at the Chadwick Hook, Chadwick Manor. Chadwick Uh returns. Yep, Um,
0: he comes home from his fundraiser.
1: Yeah, so uh, Hunt is like, look, uh, Peggy fucking kidnapped me uh-huh and him and Chadwick have this whole back and forth and it's ridiculous and Chadwick's all what about oh my god how's this gonna look oh my god
0: and Chadwick is like oh well that I will get her deported I will make phone calls they're both blustery and all indignant that Peggy kidnapped him Whitney gets straight to the fucking point what, what did you tell what her what did you
1: fucking tell her because she knows she uh, hello she fucking su- knows super fucking smart what did you say yeah, what did, he, what because, did you tell because because
0: Whitney has met Peggy Carter yep She damn well knows Peggy Carter got fucking information out of this gorilla. Yep. So, uh, and he's like, well, she injected me with stuff and I thought I was gonna die. And so I told her some things. Chadwick is like, oh, agog, aghast. You were supposed to be able to hold out against interrogation because that and that's why we hired you anyway. Whitney doesn't say anything. Whitney quietly goes around and starts closing curtains.
1: Yep. Yep. I love her.
0: Which is the most terrifying thing she could so do in that moment? So fucking scary, yeah. Oh my god! Knowing but those what we men, know. Yeah. those men don't even notice. No, they don't see that for the threat that it is. Oh, I love it. I love her. So yeah, Rufus is like, okay, I gave her some names, and Chadwick's like, I'm not taking the fall for this. You're going to answer to the council.
1: And Hansel, well, actually, you've uh-huh. been doing some shit behind the council's back, so I'm going to turn you into the council, which is so, uh-huh. which is so your mom. Yeah. In that yeah. moment, right.
0: But they they both have dirt on each other. Yeah. And so and the council, they're both terrified of the council. Meanwhile, Whitney's like, Honey, uh, Chadwick, Calvin, whatever you're fucking, I don't know what I call you. Yeah, I hate you.
2: Asshole. Yeah. But
0: my my husband, I have something I need to show you. And he's like, Oh my god, stop. And he she moves past him and steps up to Rufus and she's like, Mr. Hunt just made a mistake. We all make mistakes. And mistakes can be
2: fixed. <laughs> oh
0: my God. And then this chilling, beautiful, tiny little woman reaches up her hand, grabs Rufus by the throat,
1: lifts him off the ground. Did she lift it a little bit? Yeah. I thought
0: he. I thought he, he got, was he, just nine hundred feet taller than her. Anyway,
1: he lifted up
0: when she oh, okay. grabbed him by
1: the throat. So
0: the goo. The black goo of the Zero Matter starts to pour out of his mouth and begins to devour him. Chadwick is screaming, Whitney, what is going on? Whitney, you need to stop. And the crew back at the Stark house are listening to they don't even fucking know what.
1: And how could you even know what is happening? Because it sounds horrifying. There's no way.
0: What the fuck is Whitney possibly doing to him? And then... The signal cuts out.
1: That's it. They don't know anything else. And Whitney consumes Mr. Hunt.
0: And his bug. Yep. Apparently. (laughs) Presumably. Yeah. Yeah. So then we cut to Hollywood, California, 1934.
1: Yeah. Whitney is in front of a theater. There's a movie that she really wants to see, but she checks in her purse and she doesn't have the 25 cents necessarily to pay for a movie ticket. Mm -hmm. And there is a really nice woman inside of the ticket booths, like... This movie we haven't we had have, this is the same movie we had last week because back then one theater one movie gets played right. over and over again that's it this is the same movie we've had for a week and mm-hmm. and Whitney was like yeah I know but it, it's a good escape you know yeah um, it,
0: it helps you forget your troubles it helps
1: you forget your troubles and the la- lady the lady in the ticket booth was like okay well just this one time gives her a free ticket which I was like oh that's so Aww. nice what it a great nice. moment and then.
0: And then some random guy who happened to also be in front of the movie theater sees Whitney walk by and he tells her, I bet you're real pretty when you smile. And then Whitney looks at him and you can see the little girl she used to be. Hating that that statement, hating being told to smile for men, but you can almost hear her mama's voice and she thinks about it. And she fucking smiles for this man.
1: But then she has uh, the best epiphany ever because the mm-hmm. a, the guy is like, yeah, I can make you a model. I can make you an actress. And he smiles and he's like, what's your name? And she says her name is Agnes whatever. He's like Agnes Cully. Yeah. yeah, Agnes Cully. And he says, oh, we're gonna have to change that. And she's like, well, what do you why, why would we change it? And he says to mm-hmm. her, that's the beauty of Hollywood. You can be whatever you want. Oof. And that's the epiphany. That's the moment.
0: Yeah. That's when she realizes if you just smile for the right men, then you can get what you want and you can be what you want. And that's when you, you, you realize that she's decided to remake herself entirely. Yeah. So then we cut from you can be whatever you want to Whitney Frost watching the black goo recede back into the palms of her hands.
1: Yep. And now the scar is on the side of her fucking, like, all the way in the side of her it's face. It's the entire
0: side of her face. It looks badass, to jaw. By the way. It looks she badass. She looks magnificent. Yeah, yeah. She pushes her hair aside because she's been covering it up to this point, but she ain't covering shit anymore. Nope. Chadwick looks at her in abject terror, as he should.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And he says, Whitney, what was that? That was me. Fixing another one of your problems. I love it. And she's right. And he's like, What are you? And she says, Whatever I want. And she smiles for that man. <laughs> 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 oh my God. I have never rooted for a villain as hard as I have rooted for Whitney Frost. I'm
1: there. I am there with you. Uh, Whitney oh Frost God. is fucking badass, and I stand.
0: And the thing is, and that's the end of the episode. That's it. We we end on Whitney Frost metamorphosing into her new form with this crazy new power she has to consume literally any man who stands in her way. She
1: is now officially what Captain America would refer to as an enhanced person.
0: <laughs> I.e. A villain, a villain. She's yeah. a supervillain. Oh, by the way, that um, agent that she met... The guy who told her to smile? Yeah. Uh, the agent's name is Ned Silver. He is played by an actor by the name of, name of Andrew Brian Carter, who has had a minor TV career, I can only assume, based entirely on his highly punchable face.
1: Uh, agreed. I want to punch his face. He was terrible. Uh,
0: Andrew Brian Carter, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but could you punch yourself in the face real quick?
1: Yeah, just you know, really hard.
0: Thank you for portraying this character. So you did
1: a good well, job, but I hate you. Yeah,
0: but I, I I hate I hate your face. Anyway, so yeah, we end this episode on this like on Whitney really fully realizing her power and finally putting the fear of Whitney into her husband. Like he was already intimidated by her, but now what's he gonna do? She's a fucking monster woman. Yeah. Uh, I love it.
1: Goddamn, Steph! It's it's crazy to me how much better season two is than season one. Right? It's so good. It's so. Fucking oh my good. god!
0: It's like they got the exposition out of the way, Yeah. and now we can tell a story.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's and we've got one, one story editor. We've got one. You know, there's multiple writers and multiple directors, but there is some cohesion finally going on, and we're finally pursuing like an I, overall arc.
1: Y'all, if y'all have not watched the show and. I, I don't know what you're doing. I really it's don't. So good. It's so
0: good. I don't good. know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't <laughs> it,
1: They're just waiting for us to get the Captain Marvel.
0: But I hope you watch along with us because it's, it's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. I know. I love it. Anyway, do we have anything else for Smoke and Mirrors nope. today?
1: No. Nope. But right Stephanie, yeah. I can be whatever
0: I want. Whatever I want. <laughs> God, I love her. Okay, so then next time, we will be plowing ahead in this season that is getting so good. It's getting better and better with every episode. I love it. Um, Next time, we will be talking about Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 5, The Atomic Job.
1: (laughs) Uh, I can't wait.
0: Oh, my God. (sighs) <sighs> and I think that's I think that's it. It always feels like such an abrupt end. I feel like we should like vamp a little more here at the end. I don't know. Do we do a dance? No, we're
1: done. We're done. We we, okay. we do our spiel. We're done.
0: Okay. So I guess then we uh, we outro. We outro. Yeah,
1: we outro. Okay.
0: Okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We super appreciate that. I mean, if, if you, you don't, would don't like want to
1: hang you hang outro, we we don't have to.
0: I was outroing. That was me outrowing! Is this are you is this your shtick now? Your your spiel for this end of this episode, is you're gonna fuck me up.
1: I, I have to I have to be honest with you, recording you on Zoom and seeing that face is wonderful. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, if you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Marvelous underscore Divas, except on Facebook where it's at The Marvelous Divas. And if you want to see Chris provoke me simply to make me make faces while we record this podcast, uh, we will be having a Patreon opening up soon where you can watch the raw, uncut, unedited, behind-the-scenes footage of our podcast sessions. You motherfucker.
1: <laughs> I am honored to be called a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, once again, everybody, thank you so much for checking us out on our po- uh, on whatever podcast platform you do. Just mm-hmm. if you're this is the first time listening, please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please leave reviews. Tell your friends. We love five stars. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, for example, it lets you write leave a written review. And you give us five stars, we'll read it as oh, evidenced yeah. by the review we read at the very beginning of this podcast. Uh by the way thank you and fuck you William. Um and uh <laughs> and that's basically it.
0: Yeah, that's that's everything. I think we're done here. We're done here.
1: So thanks everybody.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Thanks guys. Bye. Okay, so why were you asking me about spicy, spi- spicy, spicy chicken?
1: Spicy chicken. Spicy chickens.
0: Why were you asking me about spicy chicken?
1: Yeah, so we have a brand new uh, spicy chicken place at this outdoor mall uh, right mm-hmm. next door to my place. And it's a very beautiful mall. Uh, you know, the yeah, outdoor walls uh, have a lot of glass uh, sculptures on the sides of the walls. very m- muy moderno, as they would say. Oh. And um, there's also a store... Uh, that's kind of a nerd uh, boutique shop where they sell like very expensive rarity items, usually like Funko Pops and Magic the Car- Gathering okay. cards, like stuff like that, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they were having a, co- a cosplay thing today. Oh. Not the best timing because we're having a, like a crazy windstorm. So all the kids that have their like headpieces and wigs, it's just. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, I. You know, I happen to be walking through. I need to go to the mm-hmm. bathroom, so I use the public restroom right around the corner, um, as one does. As one does. One no was, fear. I was washing my hands, and okay. um, I before I walked in, I noticed that there was a fucking line for the women's restroom, which I don't understand why that is always the case. But I think it's always a situation where there's not enough areas to go to the bathroom in a women's women's restroom. I don't know, but uh, there I don't was know, a, man.
0: It's a phenomenon.
1: Yeah. But there was a line. Um, I was washing my hands, and uh, uh, Scarlet Witch walked in. Oh. Yeah, a, a, a girl playing Scarlet Witch. Well, yeah, no,
0: obviously. Yeah, and,
1: and <laughs> You and haven't I... been
0: enslaved in along with the rest of a small town to play out some kind of Nick at Night fantasy time, so I figured it wasn't the actual one.
1: So I was wearing these headphones, which are my, uh, you know, I can't hear any sound outside of these earphones, type earphones.
0: Oh, you're doing that uh, big white guy thing again where you walk around in public with headphones on that make it so you can't hear people coming up behind you to kill you?
1: Right. Um, cool. And now that you've, I've recognized my status as an apex predator, I feel even safer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should.
1: Yeah, uh, you. but I could tell. Like she looked at me, and she, I could tell by the moving, moving her mouth. Like she asked me, "Are you cool if I'm in here?" I'm like, "Yeah, fuck, girl, I don't give a fuck. I go to gay bars. I always, mm-hmm. you know, whatever." Um,
0: yeah, the the, the gender specific signs on the doors at a gay bar, if they are even there, are merely a suggestion.
1: Merely, if that, yeah. So, um. I walked out. Her, I think, brother, boyfriend, whatever, was waiting outside for her. Mm-hmm. And I shit you not, there was suddenly a loud scream. A piercing, blood cringing scream. Oh my god. That what? allowed me to, like I, my, like, I heard it perfectly through my earphones. And, what the fuck? And the glass walls were shaking.
0: Okay.
1: And my first instinct were to run back in. Uh-huh. And be like, "Oh my God, something's wrong with her." Even though right. I know there was no, okay? even though I know there's nobody else inside the bathroom, mm-hmm. and the boyfriend held up his hand and he says, "Oh no, don't worry, she had the spicy chicken." <laughs>
0: that was a long walk for a shit joke, baby. <laughs>
1: but it paid off. So there you go. I got the
0: loaf. <laughs>